Six o'clock, this is the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Hilton Tarrant with you on this Monday evening. Tonight, Bidvest Chief Executive Brian Joffe says deal flow has picked up. The services and distribution giant reported a 12% jump in revenue to 75 billion rand in the six months to December. Joffe also tells us why Bidvest wants to buy the rest of JSE-listed AMAP. Adidas has won a long-running trademark dispute in the, uh, rather in the uh, Supreme Court of Appeal against retail group Pepco. Trademark attorney Suzanne Lang joins us at 25 past six. Where's Bank's Krista Koch on whether the lower than expected February vehicle sales figures are anything to be concerned about? And David Shapiro of Sasson is with us to make sense of the markets on a day where the JSE ended three quarters of one percent lower. All this and more to come. First, here's the news. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. SABC clarifies position of its chief and voting hours extended in Kenya. Good evening, I'm Greg Hose with the news at 6pm on SAFM. The SABC board has announced its decision to release Claudio Motswaneng from his responsibility as acting chief operations officer still stands. The board says the decision was taken at a properly constituted meeting last month the board has rejected a report appearing in the New Age and the Mail and Guardian newspaper that Motswaneng had been reinstated. We'll have more details in our next bulletin. The mother of a 13-year-old boy from Crawford College in Santon has laid assault charges against five of his schoolmates for an alleged bullying incident at the school. Samantha Stevenson says her teenage son was allegedly forced to get inside a dustbin, which then toppled over. The grade 8 loner was injured and had to be taken to hospital for stitches. She believes this was an act of bullying. The reason I reported it was because I felt the school was taking it lightly. The first thing I was told that it was a prank gone wrong. There's no such a thing as a prank gone wrong. And why are they playing pranks during school hours and there's no supervision from the teacher? So I didn't find that a prank. None of the kids have apologized. None of the parents have apologized. Makes me believe that it was an act of bullying. And what makes it more believable is that it's now basically two weeks since the incident and not one kid has apologized to my child. The school hasn't responded to our repeated calls for comment. The Gauteng Health Department is eager to hold talks with human rights groups that have released a damning report on the state of health care in the province. The report says doctors are sometimes forced to share ARV drugs among patients and also have to give drugs to sicker patients first, depriving those who are stable. It anticipates that there will be another shortage of ARVs in April. The report was compiled and released by Section 27, the Treatment Action Campaign, and the South African HIV Clinician Society. Gauteng Health Spokesperson Simon Zwane. It would have been better if they had engaged with us before finalizing the report because we would have given to them a lot of information that shows progress that we have made. But we would appreciate an opportunity for direct engagement with them so that we can show them how far we've taken the issues and to turn around the department. The Institute for Security study says there's been a slight decrease in the number of incidents of alleged police brutality in the last few years. The issue has been highlighted by the latest case of a Mozambican taxi driver who allegedly died at the hands of police in Davyton on Gauteng's East Rand. The case against the eight police officers accused of dragging him to death has been postponed to Friday. The Institute's Johan Berger. The number of deaths as a result of police action decreased from 912 in 2008-2009 to 720 in 2011-2012, a decrease over four years. The biggest problem here for the police 
is the fact that modern technology, these cases where police use excessive force, is exposed on television. Voters in Kenya's elections have been allowed to cast their ballots well beyond the official closing time two hours ago. The hours were extended at many polling stations that had long queues or had opened late. The country's Independent Elections Commission says six police officers keeping order at the elections were killed in Mombasa. Other deaths were also reported. However, Sarah Kimani reports that the voting was largely peaceful. Polls opened at 6 a.m. in Kenya. In most areas, thousands of voters turned up three to five hours before the official opening time. The country was using a new electronic registration system to counter claims of fraud, vote rigging, but in some cases, the system failed forcing election clerks to report back to the manual registers. Long queues were seen in almost all parts of Kenya. The exercise was largely peaceful, with excited voters determined to put the country's history of electoral chaos behind them. Counting of ballots begins immediately in polling stations that have officially closed. There are eight presidential candidates in the polls, seen as historic and a turning point for Kenya. President Mwai Kibaki is retiring after two terms. The top story, the SABC board has announced that its decision to release Claudio Motswaneng from his responsibilities as acting chief operations officer still stands. The board says the decision was taken at a properly constituted meeting last month. The board has rejected a report appearing in the New Age newspaper and the Mail and Guardian online that Motswaneng had been reinstated. We'll, of course, have more details on this story in our next bulletin. Well, that next bulletin will be at 7 p.m. For SAFM, I'm Greg Hose. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. Six minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant with you on the Market Update uh, this Monday evening. First up, as always, Google and Fupi has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. The shares of JSE-listed mining firms such as BHP Billiton, Anglo-American and Impala Platinum took a dip today as manufacturing growth in China, the world's top commodities consumer, slowed to multi-month lows, as reported today. The Forbes 2013 list of the world's richest people includes just under 1.5,000 billionaires, a record number with a total net worth of 5.5 trillion U.S. dollars. Most of these billionaires are said to be self-made, whilst others have inherited their wealth. And Africa's leading pizza restaurant, Devonair's Pizza, is poised to open 15 new outlets across the United Arab Emirates and is offering potential investors a chance to apply for franchisee operations. Turning to the markets now, the JSO share index is uh, in negative territory, down by 0.7% to close at 39,844 points. The range at 9 rand 8 cents against the US dollar, 13.66 to the pound and 11.83 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,575 an ounce. A barrel of Brent crude oil at $110 and the platinum price at $1,573 an ounce. Thanks, Kuku. David Shapiro of Sassfinal Market. Be nice if we could choose our parents, huh? <laughs> hey, one and a half thousand sets of parents you to can choose just, from. You yeah. can just include me in your world, David. David, market down three quarters of one percent, uh, give or take. Yeah. Thirty-nine thousand eight hundred and forty-four. Led, led by miners, the mining markets are looking very soggy. And you know, I, I know that we can we can uh, talk about stories about China's rebound slowing, or um, uh, you know, manufacturing numbers there down, services number problems in Italy, also the uh, uh, problems in the United States, or caution about the mandatory budget cuts. But I think that 
it's really the gold story that's brought miners down. You know, the fall in gold price, the fall in platinum price, I think is weighing heavily on all the other sectors and almost triggering uh, softness in, in commodity prices. So, and that's been the cause of, uh, you know, a lot of falls on the JSE. Mining shares under severe pressure, platinum shares under severe pressure. Worst day today mm. for Chinese markets since August of 2011. Mm. Yeah, and there was also on top of that we had the Chinese property curves. Mm. You know, developers coming down there uh, worried about the property bubble. I think um, it's a story that I haven't read properly, but I know that they want to introduce high deposit rates for second homes, not for your first home, for your second home. So I think that's also to curb massive amount of speculation. But that's playing through on the developers. So yeah, the Chinese market is is, is volatile, but um, I, you know the manufacturing numbers are still. Still positive, and the services numbers are still positive, meaning um, they, they're not in recession, they're not uh, contracting. Um, I think this is, you know, again, uh, you look at the sell off in gold, it's, it's not rebounding, and, you know, more and more investors getting out of there. And I think to me that's, that's, that's much more of a concern than maybe, you know, what's happening in China. 52 week lows for Goldfield, 72 mm. rand and some mm. change. How many? Mm. 55 rand a share, mm. David. Oh, Anglo no. Gold Ashanti, 217 oh, no. rand 40. That's, to me, you know, that, that's the trigger in our market. That's the, the weakness. It's, uh, if you look at Billiton and Anglos so far this year, they've done okay. They haven't done badly. They haven't been anywhere near as affected as, as, uh, you know, the big miners. Uh, particularly the platinum and gold shares, which still have a, a big influence in the weighting um, you know, of, the indus, of the index. And it also has a negative effect on the rest of the market, other than our dual-listed industrials, which are just pumping. SAB, Miller, Nasdaq, mm. British American Tobacco, 52-week highs. In fact, uh, all-time highs for... Uh, that's where you should have been. You know, that's, uh, if, you, if you're in those uh, top three, that's it. You know, or, um, they continue. Nasdaq is another one. Just knocks the lights out, you know, and it's uh, here you are, you have a Chinese market under pressure, yet uh, NASPES doing very well. Also, 52 week highs for PPC, that's mm. uh, been up there every every now and then, and uh, Renet as well. Yeah, the well, that's British American tobacco. Mm. So I think it's on the back of the gains there that, uh, you know, we've seen that Renet up. Well, we are taking your questions and comments on our SMS line, 34701 with the keyword market. That's 34701 with the keyword market at a cost of two rand uh, per SMS on the market update between now and 6.30. David, uh, the rights issue for Rainbow Chicken, uh, the mm. results of that out, Remgro now owns 70% of that business. Oh, sure. And they're going to transform it. And I think that's the, uh, you know, if you're going to follow, if you followed your rights and you want to look at it, uh, one's got to see, you know. And even if you didn't follow it. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I think, I think the rights came on. I think the rights were training of virtually nothing after mm. a while. But I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's what Rainbow is going to look like uh, <laughs> in next year that I think we must focus on. It's, to me, it's still an area under a lot of pressure. You know, if I look at the other food producers, regardless of what they do, not only the, the chicken producers, but also the Tiger brands, Premier Foods and so on. South Africa making headlines. Uh, President Jacob Zuma in the Financial Times mm. today warning the private sector in the West to, quote, change its colonial approach to doing business in Africa <laughs> or risk losing out to developing powers such as China. He also gives himself 70% for his first term of office. Uh, he gave himself 70%. Yes. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, I can't Interesting comment. warning, David. Interesting <laughs> well, warning. Look, 
You know, there's a huge, I think, worth reading is this week's Economist, which covers Africa. And it's, I think it's a very, very well written, um, what do they call it? A special, a supplement. Special report. Special report. Um, covering virtually, you know, every country and where they are. And there's a lot of positives, some negatives, but overall, I think the tone of the, of, of the report was, uh, positive, you know, that the wars are ended. They still, they still, uh, worried about extraction, that, that Africa is still relying on selling products, you know, that you extract from the land or cut down trees and so on, and you supply to, uh, you know, places like China. I think that's still the big concern about Africa. And we have to turn it around. We're in Asia, the manufacturer number. So I think from Zuma, you know, he's still in, in the, uh, in the frame of mind that, you know, we're an extraction country and this is where we're going to make, uh, you know, most of the money. Um, of course, they're going to ch- attract Chinese investment, but they haven't exactly made the right noises for you know for other countries to come here. We haven't really chased that investment. We haven't really chased that investment at any cost, though, David. If you if you look at uh, the <coughs> the Chinese involvement in this economy versus some of the other economies mm. north of us, we haven't really gone hurtling down that road. Though. No, because they've offered to do infrastructure programs, which we can do ourselves. You know, we've got local companies that can do a lot of the building and. And, uh, you know, which uh, in Africa they haven't got anywhere near the contractors. So our contractors into Africa are competing with Chinese. Um, you know, that, that, that's the difference. I think there's also uh, whether you can handle the governments and deal with the government. We haven't seen as much as we should. And there may be a story in that as well as, you know, do the Chinese want to come there? Well, David, we saw new vehicle sales out mm. uh, for February today, 1.6% year-on-year mm. growth. That number is uh, much lower than the, the kind of numbers we've seen in the past. I spoke with uh, Krista Cock, who's Executive Head of Sales and Marketing at Wesbank, and asked him about that 1.6% number. Yeah, I, I don't think they're much lower than expected. I think the, certainly we've been indicating for some time now that the growth numbers of new cars is, is going to start to moderate. Uh, January was a bit of a bit of a surprise, but there was a good reason for that. A lot of growth in the rental market, and I suspect uh, some manufacturers balancing their books. If it wasn't for that, the January numbers, the growth numbers, would also be low. So this is pretty much what the industry has been ex- expecting off the very high base that has been created out of two very big growth years, being 2011 and 2012. Chris, looking ahead to to the whole of 2013, is this the kind of of rate of growth that we can expect? Certainly we think so, Um, and um, a couple of reasons for that. The first one is that the perfect buying environment that we've been experiencing over the last two years is most definitely coming to an end. And that perfect environment has got two key ingredients. One is vehicle CPI, and of course vehicle CPI has been flat to negative over the last two or three years. And what does that mean? It means that the actual price of the car is uh, quite similar or even in some cases cheaper to what it was two or three years ago. Now, that situation we've never had before in South Africa, and um, now with the RAND weakening, uh, in spite of the competitive pressures, manufacturers have been forced to start putting prices up. So that's the one side of the equation. The other side is interest rates. Interest rates are at uh, 40-year lows. Uh, They've been that way now for a couple of years, and uh, we expect that the next move in interest rates is also going to be up. So those are two two key fundamentals while we think uh, growth is going to be moderate this year. 
That's Chris Cock, the executive head of sales and marketing at Wes Bank. David, uh, so not much to be concerned about that 1.6% number, given that we had such a high base last year that I think it's going to be difficult to grow at 5, 6, 7, even 10% of that base. No, I don't think anyone's anticipating that. Mm. Um, I think what's, what was very interesting, there was a huge increase in exports. And that could be, number one, that markets are improving there. I don't think so. But I think also the RAND under a bit of pressure here helping helping our export. That's, that's an encouraging number. And I hope that goes through the whole economy, you know, um, that, that we do see the, the, the RAND kicking in and helping exports. But um, it's, it's built into the – it's already built into the prices of the imperials and various mm-hmm. other motor manufacturers. You would have also heard from, um, you know, Brian Joffe today on that, uh, on that score. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, services trading and distribution giant Bidvest uh, out with results for the six months to December today. Normalized headline earnings per share up 18%, revenue up by 12% to 75.4 billion rand. Chief Executive Brian Joffe joins us now. Brian, by your own admission, a decent result, but a tough environment here in South Africa and indeed in Western Europe. Yeah, um, I say decent uh, in the sense of uh, the background to which his uh, his numbers were earned. Um, I think things are, are, are quite difficult on, on on the ground, and uh, our management needs to be complimented for getting out what I, I define as a, as a decent result. Uh, by, by no means a perfect result or a good result, but I think a, a decent result. Where could you have done better? Well, you know... <laughs> I think good results are, are dependent on, on various factors. Um, you know, a good market, uh, decent economic uh, environment, uh, and, and, and other things like that. I think that we've we had lots of challenges. We had to deal with with, with strikes. Uh, we had the mines were under a lot of stress to 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 uh, allow us even into the mines to deliver the services that we needed to deliver. So that had quite a quite a big impact on us. Um, and then I think, of course, is they're, they're the softer ones where expectations are, are raised, uh, having to deal with the uh, aspirations of workers um, wanting double or triple digit numbers for wage increases. So it's, it's been a very tough environment, not, you know, not only in its trading conditions, but also the psychological impact of, of the things that happened on the ground. Here in South Africa, you, you've grown revenue to 34 billion rand. Uh, the food service business overseas now the rump of, of Bidvest. Just looking at those South African businesses, managing to contain your operating expense growth to 3% in the six months, what's behind that, that containment? You're seeing, obviously, uh, firms out there sitting with operating expenses going up 6, 8, 10, 12%. Well, I mean, there's been, you know, some curtailment of some of the activities. We've scaled down some activities. We've streamlined others, uh, closed down some, um, merged others into into one in order to be able to to get the, you know, to become the lowest cost producer and/or distributor. Because I don't, th- I don't think that if you can get to that, you can in the South African environment and I suppose internationally too. It's very difficult, very difficult to compete unless you, you know, have an uh, have an efficient uh, cost base. Good year for the motor retail business uh, last year. So obviously, that coming through in these six months. Yeah, um, I think that they've done well. Um, you know, we obviously have gone through quite a clean-up process of the motor business and the way we've been structured for for some year now, I guess. And 
I think we're seeing some of the benefits of, of the way we've structured the business, and uh, I think full credit to, to the management that have delivered this. Brian oversees the food service business. I, I remember when I was in London last year and uh, two years ago, seeing all these bid vest trucks driving around the streets of London late at night. For, for those South Africans who, who don't necessarily know what uh, food services is, what, what is this business, this massive mammoth business you've got overseas? Okay, so in the UK, the business is principally uh, structured in two parts. One is we do the logistics and distribution for the fast fast chain businesses, Burger King, uh, Kentucky, and the like. And we also do as another business called 3663, which delivers food and allied products to the catering and uh, hospitality markets. Um, so we basically are a supplier, I guess, in the end result to hotels, restaurants, prisons, uh, other institutions. Uh, we don't cook anything. We just supply the products to caterers as such. Ron, you mentioned in August that you've looked at a lot of deals in the preceding six months. Have you have you kept up with that uh, in terms of trying to identify opportunities both here and abroad? Yeah, I, th- I think the deal flow of in the last month or two has stepped up a lot. I think there's much more corporate activity that's going on currently. I think probably as evidenced by others as well. Um, yeah, we, look, we are keen to to make acquisitions as we go, but also very careful to be sure that what we what we buy. It doesn't become uh, more of a hindrance than an advantage. So we're quite we're quite conservative and um, you know we, and quite fussy uh, as to what we get and what we pay. The, the Brandcorp uh, deal didn't work out. That was announced to the market today. Uh, still pressing ahead with uh, the acquisition of AMAP Amalgamated Appliances. What's the attraction with that business? Well, AMAPs we we currently own about thirty percent of it already, and uh, our preference is to own more. Um, we also do have some some businesses within Bidvest currently and have had for some time businesses that are in the same space as AMAPS and we'd like to see those businesses merge and get the, the synergies out of that. We also believe that AMAPS has got some Africa opportunities and um, they've negotiated one or two transactions in relation to Russell Hobbs, which uh, I think should benefit them and hopefully um, you know it will pay off over time. It's it's a bit of a departure from the type of customer that we have, but we, we quite like the management, and uh, and, we, uh, and I think that we'll get some synergies out of the business. Brian, your outlook for, for these current six months? Well, I'm optimistic. I think we can probably see more of the same of, of, of the last six months. Uh, I think we'll probably get some double-digit growth. I don't think we're going to get uh, 18% in the next year. I think it'll be probably, I don't want to say much lower, but lower. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot, as I said earlier, a lot depends on what the market forces are, especially into the cost pressures. I mean, we've seen some Eskom price increases, thank goodness, not as much as we've had in the past. We don't know what's going to happen with the roads, with the tolls. Uh, we also are a bit uh, nervous about what the outlook for wages is going to be. That's Chief Executive of Bidvest, Brian Joffe. David, uh, strong numbers given mm. the environment. Mm. Look, 18% in this, uh, um, in, in this kind of climate I think is really an excellent result. I think what, um, what's attractive is that uh, 55% of the revenue is now earned outside of South Africa. Why I say attractive is that it's getting a much gl- more global feel about it. And that's not that uh, he's not going to grow South Africa organically, as he stated, but uh, a very good result. The share price is responding. It's, you know, it's at all-time highs. It might have come down slightly today. 
but uh, you know, still, still very good growth there. Interesting that Brian does say that uh, deal flow has picked up over the past couple mm. of months. Uh, I think we might just see a, I, a deal. A, I, a I think there's big. Uh, it's the environment to do big deals now. We're seeing it offshore. People are feeling more confident about what's happening in the global economy, despite the fact that we introduced by saying China is slowing down and so on. I think generally there is a feel that the global economy is moving in the right direction. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. 24 minutes after 6 o'clock this Monday evening, while the Supreme Court of Appeal in Bloemfontein has ruled in favour of German sports clothing giant Adidas in a long-running trademark dispute with Pepcor, the owner of Pep and Ackermans. The battle has been over shoes, with two and four identical stripes being sold by Pepcor. Adidas is well known for its three-stripe design. Suzanne Laying is partner at Adams & Adams, which specializes in intellectual property law. Suzanne, this is not the first case. Adidas has sued dozens of retailers worldwide since 1999, including Walmart, Target, Abercrombie & Fitch, H&M, Payless. I guess uh, Pepcor finds itself in some interesting company. Yeah, no, that's, um, it, it's not so um, encouraging for them to look at some of the uh, damages awards that have been um, granted, for instance, in the States against a company called Payless, which was uh, 30.6 million U.S. dollars there, based on a 7.78% um, royalty on sales. So our Supreme Court of Appeal has ruled that um, there has to be an inquiry as to the damages or the royalties. And if that sort of royalty is upheld in South Africa, then the only question is how many shoes have been sold um, for um, for that uh, quantum to be established. Suzanne, that uh, inquiry that was ordered uh, by the court, is such an inquiry a difficult exercise, a, a very lengthy exercise? I predict that the inquiry won't take place, that it will simply be settled between Petcourt and Adidas, but if it did have to take place, it will be akin to a trial where there will have to be a discovery process and there will be arguments and disputes of fact as to the uh, to the royalty rate to be applied. It could be as low in South Africa, I presume, as 3 to 4% if you look at guidelines set by the Department of Trade and Industry for whom 5% is a, is a maximum royalty. Um, or it could be determined based on what Adidas uh, receives from its own licensees, which we know from the U.S. cases to be closer to 8%. Suzanne, if we go back to 2011, Adidas actually lost the case before the Western Cape High Court against Pepco. That original ruling was in favour of Pepco, and that case was actually held up as as an example of uh, of, of a case where where intellectual property uh, and the, the, this kind of distinction and technicality between two lines and four lines and three lines uh, was actually very tricky to enforce in this environment. Uh, Pepcourt argued, and they continue to argue that in, in the appeal court, that um, stripes are embellishments. Um, they don't function as trademarks. It's a way to, you know, it's ornamentation on the shoe, so they don't indicate the source or origin because Pep never used Adidas or anything else. They used Pep and Ackermans, and, you know, these, these stripes were just ornamentation on the shoes. So the, the Cape High Court agreed, I think, with that argument, and the Cape High Court also said that the Adidas brand and the three stripes are so well known that people are actually likely to be less confused. There's less likelihood of confusion in the case of a very well-known mark. But the Supreme Court of Appeal rejected both of those arguments because ornamentation can function as, as a trademark. I mean, Nike swoosh or the back-to-back Chanel C's. And, um, and the court held, I think, correctly that you know, the, the more well-known a brand, you shouldn't punish it 
um, by saying the less likely people are, are going to be confused. Suzanne, what kind of precedent does, does a ruling like this uh, have? Well, everybody's going to be concerned about putting stripes of any kind, two, three, or four, on, on shoes or clothing, I suppose. But for the rest, nothing much has changed. Still a subjective inquiry the court makes, looking at the trademark as registered and looking at the trademark as used. I don't think the law has changed. It's just been confirmed. And the subjective view of the SCA has been different than, than that of the Cape High Court. Suzanne Ling is a partner at Adams and Adams. David, an interesting one. Oh. I wonder how our polar, which is not the real polar, get away with just reversing the horse, you know, the, <laughs> the polar player. I mean, if there's anything more obvious, it's that one. And yet uh, they, they they're allowed to continue. But it is very interesting. Don't put stripes on it. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, David, to wrap the show this evening, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, mm. the annual letter to shareholders mm. out uh, this weekend. One of the one, one of the interesting uh, phrases and, and themes that came through in that letter, he said this in this letter: "Opportunities abound in America." Mm. Those four mm. words. Mm. And he's got his elephant gun. Mm. The second year around, he's, he's just done the Heinz deal, but he'll do anything more. And he says. He, you know, he made the offer. He says, if you can't find any buyers, come around to us. Or, you know, we, we will buy. Very positive about, uh, about the U.S. And it's, it's always worth reading the letter. It's available on their site. It's uh, accessible. And it always abounds with wisdom. You know, just his simple approach and the simple way he writes the letter. It's easy to understand. Some warnings over those legacy bond portfolios that a lot of pension funds and, and corporate yeah. pension funds mm. find themselves sitting on. He, what happens is that when they, you see, what he says is that they, they were bought at high interest rates. Mm. When you renew them, you're going to renew them at low interest rates, and therefore a lot of that return will not be there. And also, interestingly, uh, managing to, to sneak it in again for the second year, I think, in a row, that there's money in the news business. Yeah, Given that he's buying newspapers I, I, I left, right, and centre. I know, I know. He's buying, well, well he, you know, he always says, uh, at, at the AGM, he said, you know, he buys uh, regional, uh, regional mm. newspapers. He says, because if he wants to know, you know, who got engaged, who got married, and who died, and everything, you can only see it in a regional paper. You can't get it on, the, uh, on, on your app. Our <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks to David Shapiro of Sassfin. Well, it was a day where the JSE ended down almost three quarters of 1%, 39,844 points.